Well, guess what book we're in? Mark, chapter 10. If you're here uh, for the first time or the first couple of times, we've, we've been in a series for a while just going through the book of Mark, uh, just one, one section at a time. And uh, today we get to a little, just a little passage that I think has a lot, uh, has a lot in it. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. So if we were to get a running start, if you were to look in your, in your Bible back into chapter 9, uh, a lot of this begins with uh, like, chap, like verse like 33, where the disciples are, are all caught up in who of them is going to be considered the greatest. And there's a, a context there for that. And so Jesus begins to really to set uh, some things right side up for them. Um, just their self-absorption and uh, insistence on importance and power and all those kinds of things. And he begins to, to show them the, the order of the kingdom of God is that uh, if, you, if you really want to make a difference, you, you become a servant. Uh, the goal is not to be served, but to serve. And kind of moves into the point where he says, and if... Like if anything is going to keep you from that, then you have to be willing to cut that out of your life for your own holiness and for the for the sake of someone else's holiness. Um, and then he makes what seems like a strange move. Then talking about divorce, um, but really divorce, uh, especially culturally back then, what, like he's showing them like uh, this is God, uh, one of God's ways of taking care of the marginalized. Uh, especially the women of that day. And so he's, Mark is like surgically putting this together to show them this is what serving other people looks like. God uh, has done this in Christ and we are to do that for one another. And and, and how you're you're taking people who are normally pushed to the side and you are becoming their their servant. You're you're making a big deal out of them. That's what the kingdom looks like. And that kind of like, leads us into this passage about children. And so look again at verse 13. It says, And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. So there's a lot of thems in there. Let's figure that out first. So who who is bringing the children? Probably their their parents. The parents of the community are bringing the children, their own children, uh, to Jesus because uh, his reputation had, like, had spread. They're like, this, this guy is not a normal guy. Like this, this rabbi is like, he is healing people. He is casting out demons there. There is a power within him and everybody's trying to get to him. And parents were like, well, let's get our kids in there. Cause our kids, believe me, our kids need it. You know, um, let's get our kids to him that, that he could just, just touch them. Cause they had seen him, uh, like touch people and heal them. So there was something about that. And so 
Um, that's really what's going on, and every parent in the room could probably relate. If you could bring your kid to Jesus, you would do that, right? Like if, if he was in the room, you'd be like, hey, let's, if you're going to wait in line for Santa, you'd wait in line for Jesus, right? Like you could bring him there, and that'd be fine. It all makes sense. What doesn't make sense is why would the disciples rebuke the parents? Like, and at first, like when I, anytime I've ever read this before I really studied it a little more, it seems like, like, oh, or so are they like, uh, like, um, secret service agents type thing? Are they like working security and they're like, no, no kid, he didn't have time for that. Are they like guarding the gate? Are they, is that kind of like what's going on here? But, um, it's actually a lot worse than that. I almost wish that that's what they were doing, that they were just trying to keep a perimeter but it has a lot to do with the fact that kids back then were treated very differently than our kids are now. And we've talked about this a few weeks ago as well, that, that our, our culture, is, it's, everything is kind of centered around kids. You know, All of you families that have little kids, your entire calendar and schedule and everything is all around them, right? Uh, we, we, we don't have the problem that they did back then. But we have to understand the problem they had back then in order to really get what's going on here. So culturally, uh, there were there were kind of like two two categories. Um, you had Jewish men; they were like one category. They were like the top of the pyramid, and then you had basically everybody else. But in that everybody else, if they were to list it off, it would typically sound like this: Gentiles, which means anyone who wasn't Jewish, um, slaves. Women, children. That's the that's the lowest tier. Gentiles, slaves, women, children. So really, their entire mindset was that it's really all about the Jewish men and everyone else who who really cares about them. To the point where there's a a, a prayer that that like went around back in that day where men would thank God that He didn't make them. A, a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. Like, they would like just, like, thank you, God, so much I'm not a female, you know? And so children were in that same, same like, realm. And then if a child, whenever, a, a, the, whenever the, the male child would uh, come of age and go through his bar mitzvah and all that, then they started treating him like a man, and that was like a whole different trajectory for him, but the poor young ladies were just out of luck, you know? And so the disciples are rejecting them and sending them away, not only because they're young, but because of the social, like, their social, stra- like, where they are in the strata, you know? The fact that they are considered the same as slaves and women and Gentiles. So, whenever we see children referenced in, like, in the Gospels, they represented the outcasts. They represented, they represented the powerless and the unimportant. So by contrast, you had the disciples who were Jewish men, which meant they were powerful and important. So what we have here is the powerful, important, rejecting the powerless and unimportant. That's what's going on in this verse. And it was considered perfectly normal and okay at that time. That's just kind of, that was the status quo. That's just kind of how it was. And, you know, we see similar things here today for sure, like in our day and age. Um, 
And a lot of times, if, if I were to pick an example, it's probably how, how you watch uh, the, uh, the treatment of people who are maybe homeless or uh, in extreme poverty, those kinds of things. Um, we've, we've all like, seen how that goes down in real life. The avoidance, the, uh, the rejection, the overlooking, the marginalization, the pushing them to the sides that happens. And um, even, even in our churches where uh, there are uh, plenty of churches that are in areas of cities where there's like a protocol. What do you do if someone who is poor or homeless comes in? How are we going to deal with them? That kind of stuff. Um, I've seen the, like, the deacon like, SWAT team come and like, s- swoop some way, someone away before. I've witnessed that. You have probably witnessed that before. Uh, thankfully, you've not seen that here. Like that is that is the opposite of how we want to handle it here, um, which is which I've seen it happen before. And you know this this Living Hope Fellowship in Sherwood is is the merger of two two you know previously existing congregations have all fused into one. Living Hope uh, moved locations a number of times, and for uh, four years we met like on campus at LSU, and then for six years we met in Mid City. And uh, there were so many times where someone would come into the into the building, recognizing there's a church gathering, and they would want help with food or you know just it could be it could be anything. And we had to build in a protocol to bring them in, like bring them into the service. Say. We would love we would love to talk about that. Come come into our service with us, and afterwards we'll introduce you to some of our leaders, and we'll see how we can help you. Like so, I would be up here doing this thing, and I would see some of our folks walking in with someone that I did not know, and it was like this like such a blessing to just watch them not be shooed away, but to be brought in. And I don't say that to be like hey hey look at us. I said to say we're like but hey look what look look how God is like changing culture in really important ways things that ways that we need to grab onto for sure and so it got to the point where we began to, to talk about that in like in our like membership meetings and stuff like that of like if someone approaches you in the parking lot we don't want you to give them money we want you to bring them inside so that so that we can like talk with them and care for them and all that kind of stuff we don't want to just hand them cash and send them on their way bring them in let us actually connect with them in a deeper way and so that became, became the protocol. And just as by way of side announcement, if someone ever approaches you here and they want money or food or anything else like that, bring them inside. Tell them, come, come on in. Let me, let me introduce you to, to someone who, who can help you. Um, don't send them away. And don't just give them what they're asking for. We, we want to have a rhythm here of internalizing that. Because what we see here in this verse is the opposite of what God has in mind. So the powerful, important people are rejecting the powerless, unimportant people. And that's just like how it is. And so if you're wondering, how does Jesus feel about what's going on in this moment? Or how does Jesus feel when Christians are pushing away people into the margin instead of pulling them in? The next verse tells us exactly how he feels about it. Look at verse 14. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Don't you love that Jesus was indignant? Like, that's a, that's a word. And in the Greek, it means indignant. 
Now, indignant, it, it, it has that like angry, irate vibe to it, but it's always connected to injustice of some sort. That's why it doesn't say he was super mad at them. He was disapproving of them. Irate is because there's a, there, like he's witnessing this unfairness that's happening, you know. So if, if there's a seven-year-old girl standing on the sidewalk and some dude runs up and just pushes her on the ground, you, irate is what would spike up in you. If I'm standing on the sidewalk and some dude comes and pushes me on the ground, you're like, hmm, sounds about right. <laughs> so indignant is, that's Jesus' response, is because there's an injustice happening and he loses it. In the best of ways, not in a sinful way, but in the best of ways, he loses it. And I love, I love that reaction. And I bet you've all experienced it. When you witness injustice happening and you just, it just makes you furious, that's what Jesus that's how Jesus feels in this moment. So he says, let the children come to me. In other words, let all the overlooked people come to me. That's who they represent. Let the powerless and unimportant, like you let them get to me. Don't you hinder them. Don't you dare stand in the way of them getting to me. Because, it's a huge statement. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. He doesn't just say like, no, I'm going to let them in too. He says, no, the kingdom actually belongs to them. Like they, it's for them. They, they own it. Like it was designed for them to live in it and thrive in it. It's, it's for them. That's why, like in Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus is rattling off who's really blessed among you, he says, um, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted. He's like, you, you guys are pushing all those people to the side and being like, what is wrong with y'all? And I'm saying, no, 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 no. That's, that's exactly what this is all about. It's for them. That our earthly kingdoms are built around the rich and the powerful, but his kingdom has a very different set of, of standards for access. Our earthly kingdoms are they're they're just they're built a certain way. And like in our in our world, the poor and the homeless, they they, they can't they just can't break in to the structure, like these human constructs that we have in, in our ideas of what like what is important and meaningful and successful and and all that stuff and there's that continual separation there and jesus looks at he says my kingdom is not like your kingdom you're trying to make them the same you're trying to still have a powerful group and a bunch of powerless people that they rule over but my kingdom is actually for like there's no separation in the pyramid there's not even a pyramid it's just one big flat piece of ground and so the kingdom that he is inviting us into uh, is very different from our earthly ones. Very different set of, of standards in terms of who's it for, which he explains in the next verse. Look at verse 15. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. You have to receive the kingdom of God like a child. And at first, it's easy to think, 
you know, where kids are, kids are, they're like innocent. They are not innocent, are they? I love them. Love all of you. You ain't innocent. Well, kids are like, they're, they're like precious and sweet and all these things. And, and, and they are, they're, they're gifts to us. Like highly valued. I mean, they're incredible. But that's not really what he means. You have to receive it like a child. Think about it in their, in their context. You have to receive the kingdom like a powerless, unimportant, marginalized person pushed to the edges of society. What, is, what does that mean? Well, children have nothing to offer or to bring to the table. Like in that day, kids, they, really, they, had, no, they had no power. They had no influence. They had no rights. They had no anything. They were completely dependent. He says, that's, that's how you receive the kingdom. In other words, kids can't earn their way into the kingdom. All they can do is, is receive it. Think about that. You have to receive it like a child. In other words, you... You can't earn it. You just have to receive it. So the kingdom is not for the Jewish men trying to earn their way because of their status and keeping the rules. It's, it, the kingdom is for people who have nothing to offer but themselves. What, how beautiful is that? The kingdom is it isn't for those who have, it's for those who realize I have nothing but myself to bring to you. And this tells us something really important about God and how he relates to us, that, that everything about our relationship with him is a situation of receiving, it, it's not of earning. There's this earning narrative that's so deep in us. It starts when we're very young, and it is a part of our culture, like every single aspect of our culture, is you're having to earn love, earn approval, earn money, earn reward, earn success, earn stuff. Or whenever you don't earn it, then you earned the failure that came your way in your perspective. And that thing is so embedded in us. And yet here's Jesus saying, actually, you just need to realize that you're a child who has nothing to offer but himself. And so in this story, part of the realization is that, uh, that I'm the child and that you're the child. You have nothing to bring but you. And so what, what, what does that even look, what does that even mean, you know? What does it mean to receive the kingdom? If I can't earn it, I just have to receive it. What does that look like? Let me tell you kind of kind of two two lanes to think in. One one is just like in a in like initial salvation. The best way to sum it up probably comes from what Jesus says uh, about like how do you receive the kingdom in Mark chapter one. You don't you don't need to turn to we'll put them on the screen stuff. In Mark one verse fourteen and fifteen it says. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. 
when when someone like comes into the kingdom of God for the very first time, when they receive what God is doing, there is a there is repentance and there is belief. Both of those fit together. There's a a repentance in realizing that uh, like realizing your own neediness, saying I I can't I can't heal myself. I can't fix myself. I, what is broken within me is unrepairable by my own efforts and earning. So you are recognizing your own neediness and you're turning to the Lord and you're saying, I, I, need, I need you to, to help me. Um, I need you to lead me into this new way of thinking and, and this new way of living. I need you to make me alive. There's a repentance and a turning from your own self-reliance and into his and there's belief in what he's saying. There's a, a belief that he is telling the truth about who he is and about who you are and about what he wants to do in your life. And so re- when repentance and belief fit together, there's this, this beautiful, amazing thing that happens. And so basically, I, in the initial salvation, when I, when I became a Christian, I, I, brought, I, I, I bought this, uh, I brought... This, this bent, tarnished image of my Creator, back to Him, and I said, "I need, I need your help. This is not how I was meant to live. There's nothing I can do about it. And I believe that you have come to restore the image of yourself in me. That is, it, there's a receiving of the kingdom when that is in place. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2. Starting in verse 4, he says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You can't earn that. You just have to receive it. Recognize your own brokenness. Recognize his beauty and say, I need, I need your help to be who I was always meant to be. That's how you receive the kingdom like a child in initial salvation. But what, what about, like, what, like, so once that's happened, what about our ongoing lives? There's a, there's a daily renewal as well. And that's not because he has changed, but it's because we're all constantly changing, you know. We're in and out of seasons of faithfulness and rebellion and like changing and morphing and we're maturing and, and life is changing. There's all these moving parts. And so there's a daily renewal that has to happen for us. A daily rhythm of those same things, of rhythm of uh, repentance and belief. Like we're, we're, not that we're having to do our salvation over and over again, that's secure, but, but it, it's like a recalibration that happens every, every single day.
Romans 12.1, he says, Paul says it this way. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So if you, to use, to think in their terminologies, they, they, there was an altar and they would lay the sacrifice on the altar. But the sacrifice was, was, would be killed. And so he says the difference is you're alive, like you're crawling onto that altar every day. And if you try to put a live sacrifice on an altar, it's going to try to get off that altar. It's like it instinctively knows what's happening, you know. And so Paul is saying every day we crawl onto that altar and we say, I'm not a dead sacrifice. I'm I'm one that's alive, but I'm yours. That that is a a daily thing for us. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, he says, We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day, that there's this, this daily recognition of our need for him and his provision, that every day we are coming to him, whether it's our, the, best, the best of days, the worst of days, every day we're coming to him, we're saying, I am the child. I'm the child who has nothing to bring to you but myself. And I need you. And you are providing everything that I need. It's, it's both. I need you and you are providing. And they meet, they fit together. And you lay on that altar and you say, whatever the day brings. That that is every day, every day, every day. That we always have that childlike approach to him. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of, child like a, uh, the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So in other words, Jesus freed us from a life of earning and keeping rules. Can can you just make sure that that's like really deep into you? He freed us from a life of of having to earn his grace and earn his love and earn his approval and earn any of of these things. He has freed us from that, from having to always keep the rules. He has freed you. And he has ushered you into a reality where you can receive his goodness just because he loves you. That's, that's just because he loves you. That you are enough for him. And not in a cheesy, not in some like cheesy way, like you just being you, that's enough. Second Corinthians chapter 3. 17, 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord, who's the Spirit. Transformed into His image from one degree of glory to another. That is our, our like daily existence. And his approach, him saying you have to receive it like a child, that's true in initial salvation, and it's true today and true tomorrow. And for the, your entire existence and my entire existence, we have to recognize that we are the children he's talking about. You are the child. He does not expect you to earn it. He wants you to receive it, to recognize who he is, and to believe that he it, it will keep his promises to you and is keeping his promises to you. And I hope that that is a massive encouragement to you today. It was significant for me in studying and preparing. And then verse 16, 
In case you're wondering if this is really what he meant, verse 16 says, He took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Now, a blessing back then carried a, a, a different kind of weight than today. This is how you, you really spoke God's goodness into the depths of someone. Those kids didn't earn that. Parents brought him in and said, hey, could you just like, you just like touch him on the shoulder? That'd be enough. And he says, how about this? How about I hug him? How about I speak a blessing? How about I bless them? Those kids didn't earn that. Those kids didn't have to come in with money or status. They didn't have to do a little song and dance. They didn't have to come in and prove how good they had been lately and keeping all the rules. He, he just took them in his arms. And we don't know what he said, but I couldn't get away from thinking about this verse in Luke 12. That maybe he whispered to them, Luke 12, 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. If he's saying, don't, don't, worry about, don't worry about the stress of all these adults. Don't worry about all, them always trying to earn and keep the rules. You just need to know that your Father, it puts the biggest smile on his face to give you his kingdom. Because it's for you. And if he'll do that for those kids, don't you think he'd do that for you? I bet there's a part of some of you, though, that think that he won't. Because you're like, yeah, but I've, I've been too bad lately. I've been too rebellious. I've been stuck in this pattern. And you come up with all these reasons to make yourself an exception to what the Bible has to say about you. And I hope that that just gets destroyed today. I, hope, I just hope that you, you hear his truth speak over all those lies and that they just crumble beneath the weight. He just wants us to come like we are. I only, all I have to do, all I can bring you is myself, my own messy self. And he says, that's, that's enough. That Jesus has made a way for that to be enough. Simple couple of verses. I had no idea it meant all that. That's why I love studying this stuff so deeply. I'm like, man, that's, that's way better than him just being annoyed at the disciples, wanting to be nice to kids. And so what is he speaking to you? That's between you and him. So let me pray for us as our musicians make their way back up. Let me, let me pray. Jesus, you, I mean, you walk this earth and you know firsthand how deeply that, that earning narrative is within us. Just those deep beliefs that we have to be behaving just right or say the right things and do the right things and all that in order to be loved or accepted or welcomed or whatever it may be. I'm so thankful that you over and over again spoke the truth into that situation setting things right side up, showing us what the truth is. And I pray, Father, that every one of us in here, no matter, no matter our age, no matter how long we've known you, that we would take on that disposition of a child who's realizing I have nothing to, to offer you, I have nothing to earn my way in, and to realize that that's not what you're asking us to do in the first place. That you love us because you love us. 
And may that truth play the role it's supposed to play in, in all the different lives in this room this morning. And so as we respond in various ways, will you just help us to seal that in and, and help us to believe that this is true of us as well. We love you, Father, and we pray this in your name. Amen. We have a few different response options here at Living Hope. Um, we have two communion lines. That's what these folks are doing. Um, and if if participating in communion is is a tangible thing for you that, that will connect with whatever God may be stirring uh, as a reminder that for all this to be true, he laid down his life. His body was broken for you. His blood was poured out for you to, to make all of this real and possible and true. And he's given us this meal so we could do something physical that, to remind us that all the grace we need, we, it's, we, it's available to us. And so uh, you're welcome in our line. If, if you have said yes to what Jesus is doing um, and you want what he has for you, then get in line. You, you take the bread, you dip it in the cup, and you take it. Um, you can also come and pray. These steps are open, or a couple of us will be on the front row ready to pray with you. Uh, we're going to sing, you know, that kind of stuff. And I want to invite you, whether, whether you have been a Christian and this is about daily renewal, uh, that's, that's amazing. But if you've never had that first, that first initial salvation encounter with the Lord, in terms of coming before Him and recognizing your need for Him to to bring you from death into life that very first time um, any of us down front would love to talk to you about that either during the response time or afterwards to be incredible please don't leave here with questions about that Um, but we offer a variety of responses because we're all different and we need different things so let's stand together as we sing and receive communion and pray let's just let the lord tend to us in these closing uh closing time